Our scripture passage today comes from the, the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning with the 15th verse. When they have finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you do know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he has said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said to him. Feed my sheep very truly, I tell you. When you were younger, you used to fasten your own seatbelt and to go wherever you wished. But when you're grown old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten the seatbelt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Don't we have wonderful students here at Church of the Palms? Yes. So great. Gives us such hope, doesn't it? Um, speaking of you know youth and new things, um, we at the, in the worship planning team have been thinking a lot about how to perhaps introduce some um, new hymns, new music, new songs into our worship life so that we can kind of be growing our musical repertoire. And so we thought one of the best ways to do that would be to uh, play like just for, as a sort of an introduction, play the tune of a song and that way maybe you start to get it in your brain and then when we get closer to it, we may play it again and then, you know, then we can be ready to sing it, you know, so. Anyway, so we thought we'd try that today and Genevieve uh, is gonna play through uh, the first verse of a song for us to be thinking about uh, singing in the future. So Genevieve, take it away. <laughs> You know you weren't going to get away without something like that <laughs> after Michigan won their national championship on Monday. I've been waiting 15 years to do that, so hallelujah, finally got to that moment. All right, in order to recover, let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh God, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Many of you are aware that I am the proud owner of a 1985 antique Jeep CJ7. That is what is on the cover of your bulletin. It is older than my daughter and it has not worn as well as she. 
When I purchased it eight years ago, it had a six-inch lift and super swamper tires, and it maybe looked like an over-the-hill monster truck driver. It's not to say that I'm not over the hill, but certainly not a monster truck driver. I've since lowered the lift and shrunk the tires. Once I signed the title, I named my Jeep Willis, the original pronunciation of the name of the founder of the Willis Overland Company, which was awarded the contract to produce the first World War II Jeeps. These days, people call Jeeps Willys because of how the name is spelled, W-I-L-L-Y-S, but I prefer the original pronunciation, Willis. How's that for information you really don't care about? <laughs> So, like I said, I'm the proud owner of Willis. I like having an original, a classic, a car that has been around the block a few times. Willis is not in the best shape. A few things that have happened to him and been done to him over the years. He doesn't have the same motor, doesn't have the same seats. He now has wheels and tires still too big for any 65-year-old pastor to be riding on top of. But I love Willis because Willis has character. As I said, Willis has been around the block a few times, and he now and he has all the proof to show it. He has character. He has been patched, repainted poorly, lights on the dashboard that don't work, a steering column that has enough give to it that you feel like you're piloting an oil tanker. Willis has had a hard life and has a lot to show for it. Nevertheless, Willis still draws some attention from old and young alike. Old men stop me in parking lots and reminisce about the times when they had their own Jeep, and they ask me questions about mine that I cannot answer. One day, while stopped at a stoplight, a carload of high school girls pulled up alongside of me and pronounced me cool. Strictly because of the ride I was sitting in. Think of that, somebody calling me cool. There's a first and last time for everything. <laughs> Over the last eight years, I've had Willis in the shop about 100 times. Real car guys fix their Jeeps in their driveways. Fake car guys have them towed to people who know what they're doing. A new oil pan here, a rebuilt carburetor there. The list goes on and on. But Willis keeps on keeping on increasing, hear this, increasing in value. A little bit in dollars, but a lot in character. Willis is appreciated for where he's been. You've been I've been tempted to somehow restore Willis, take him back to his original, make him look like he never left the driveway, but then he really wouldn't be Willis. He would lose that face only a mother could love, and he would lose the very essence of who he is. Willis is old, but Willis keeps becoming something more. His value increases with every mile he traverses. Our theme for the year is a verse that comes out of the book of Revelation where God looks out over all creation and promises that God will make all things new. The context for the promise is the vision of what happens to us after we die, that, we come, that when we come into the heavenly kingdom, something new happens, and part of the something new that happens is that all those hard things we've had to face in this life aren't going to be happening anymore. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, the apostle writes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Yes, the new thing is that the forming of who we are will no longer come at the hands of the hard things, but will come purely from the hands of love and grace. Such is the good news we pastors get to pronounce at every memorial service. But the Bible tells us also 
that God is not just making a new creation in heaven, but that God is making a new creation here and now with people like you and me. And often the new creation comes as a result of the hard things, the bumps and the bruises, the dents and the dings. And it's true, isn't it? We are being made into something new just about every day. Every day brings about an experience or a learning or a conversation or a disappointment or a struggle that teaches us not only about the nature of life, but also about what we are becoming. It seems that when God created us human beings, he created us not as originals to be kept in our boxes or in our garages, but that we were created to become something. That behold, God is always making something new in us. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, writes the Apostle Paul. And too often that verse gets misinterpreted to say that only the few whom God loves are the ones whom God makes things work out for. No, but the truth is God loves everybody and God calls everybody from every moment of our creation. We are in the process of becoming something and for those who know of this love and of this grace and of this call we can look at every up and down as a way for God to make something new out of us because God is always into becoming whenever I'm asked to tell my story the first thing I usually say is that my life got started by winning the lottery and winning the lottery for me means that I was born into a loving family who not only loved God and me, but gave much of their lives over to serving God. I was born, as they say, on third base. I had a lot going for me. But that's not the end of my story. That's the beginning of my story. And there was lots more becoming to become and there were mountaintops, and there were valleys, there were joys, and there were hurts, there was Easy Street, and there was the School of Hard Knocks, and I suspect what allowed me to become most were the hard things. It was the hard things that taught me who I was and whose I was. Wrapping the family car with the family in it around the telephone pole at the age of 16, holding only, holding only a driver's permit, that will teach you something. Being made captain of the high school basketball team only to lead us to the worst record in the high school's history. <laughs> Going down in the record book as the only captain to shoot at the wrong basket. <laughs> that will teach you something. Being appointed as the director of a freshman men's dormitory at the ripe old age of 20, and then realizing that the 128 freshmen I inherited had watched too many times the movie Animal House. It was the worst year of my life with threats and felonies, attempted suicides, attempted murder, all in one year in one building. That will teach you something. Hearing from your seminary professor that maybe you picked the wrong profession, having your heart broken, having your leadership called into question, having friends betray you, having your mother die young. All of this is nothing unusual or extreme Folks have had life a whole lot harder than me. But for every one of us, life sends its zingers. And the zingers make us wonder, what is God really up to? 
And the truth is what God is always up to is not causing the zingers to happen. God doesn't zing us, but making the zingers somehow work out for good, allowing the hard things to shape us and build us into the character of the one who's always looking for God's purpose in life. That's what I love about our story from John today when Jesus pulls Peter aside. Peter, who has made a career of always seeming to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Peter, who sinks like a rock in the Sea of Galilee. Peter, who says something so ignorant that Jesus calls him the devil of hell. Peter, who puffs out his chest and promises that he will never let Jesus down, only to do that very thing hours later, and not just once, but twice, not just twice, but three times. Peter has got more dents and dings than Willis will ever have. But Jesus pulls Peter aside and says to him, Peter, I am in the becoming business. We are going to take all the zings and hurts and disappointments and faulty steering and creaky axles, and we're going to make something out of it. We are going to create a new thing filled with the old things. We are going to form in you a character that has learned from both the mountaintops and the valleys, and we are going to put you right where you need to be, shepherding my people. And who better to understand my wayward sheep, Jesus says, than a sheep who's gone AWOL. And Peter goes on to shepherd the sheep, and still he makes mistakes, and still he says the wrong thing. But what Peter knows now that he didn't know before is that he is loved by his precious Lord unconditionally and that the Lord is doing a new thing with old parts and that the Lord is working together all things for good and that the Lord is leading Peter down the path of becoming and, when he can, and that he can walk humbly and maybe even a little proudly and we can walk humbly and maybe a little proudly with all the bumps and bruises, dents and dings, knowing that we are a classic in the making. We are of value. We are a cool ride because of what God has done to make all things work together for good. <laughs>